All right, so tonight I want to do a summary of the fruit of the Spirit. This is more like a recap and the summary of everything uh, that we have learned over the months, over the weeks. You would recall that um, what I did, first of all, was teach the gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And when I was done with that, I thought we should now go into the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, because it won't be balanced if you know the gifts and you want to operate in the gift, but you know nothing about the fruit or you lack the expression of the fruit. As a born-again child of God, you have the fruit already in your spirit. But if you don't have understanding of how it works, there is the likelihood for you to not pay attention to it and never cultivate it. As the word implies, fruit. Before something can be called a fruit, it must have been cultivated. All right? Now, it is potentially in your spirit, but it can lie dormant. It's possible for it to be there and you're not walking in it. So I'm going to do a quick recap, take us to the gifts, and then I'll come to the fruit and then do a recap of that so we can have a balanced understanding. Everything is coming from the precious Holy Spirit. The precious Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Number three, not because it's less in power than the Father or the Son. It is just for administrative purposes. Whatever the Father wants to carry out, he communicates to the Son. And whatever the Son says, the Holy Spirit carries out. You would see, you would notice in John 14 and verse 10, Jesus said that the words that I speak unto you, the be part of it, the words I speak unto you, they are not, I speak not of myself. He said, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. The Father that dwelleth in me. How did the Father dwell in him? The Father dwelt in him in the form of the Holy Spirit. You would remember when he went to John for baptism, and John said, no, I should be baptized of you. And he said, so far it to be so for now. Uh, for, it's important for us to fulfill our righteousness. And he was baptized, and as he was coming out of the water, the Holy Ghost was descending on him in a bodily form like a dove, and his ministry began. The Holy Ghost empowered him to do, to carry out his ministry. Peter captured that in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, when he said succinctly how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, he didn't go out doing good until he was endued with power from on high in the person of the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus actually of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power. So when God baptized him, blessed him with the Holy Spirit, his ministry began. And himself, when he was going back to heaven, at the rounding off of his earthly ministry, he said to the apostles, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it's important for me to go, because if I don't go, he will not come. But when I go, he will come. Praise God. Amen. And so, the presence of the Holy Spirit always signifies power. Power. 
you, you are not ordinary. As a child of God, you carry power. Because you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Ephesians 1.20. What does it tell us? And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works where? That works where? In you. In you. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you, the power of God is there. Amen. Praise God. So, Jesus could do all that he did because the Holy Spirit was in him. The Father was in him in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. So, it's important that we study this Holy Spirit. Because he can be grieved. He's a person, he's not a bird. In Ephesians 4.27, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Uh, somewhere around that, it also talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's verse 30. Verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve him, because you can grieve him. How do we grieve him? When we ignore him. He talks to you, and exactly what he says, you do the opposite. You can grieve him. He gives you an instruction and you just ignore. Now, that could happen at a particular stage in our walk with God. But as you grow, we need to learn to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to check with him before we make certain decisions. We need to check with him. Holy Spirit, are you comfortable with this? Is this what you want me to do? Are you okay with this person I'm about going out with? Do you think this relationship is healthy? Is this in line with your plan for my life? This course of study I want to choose, do you want me to do it? He has a plan. And so you want to go check with him every time. And he's on the inside of you. And you can fellowship with him. And in the place of fellowshipping, ask questions. Because he's a person. He's not a bird. He's a person that you can relate to. And he will relate to you. Amen, praise God. So, very quickly, two things that we need to look at. The gift of the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit. So for the gift, which I taught for many weeks, <laughs> let's go to uh, same, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm doing a recap of both now. And I'm going to take it from verse 1 to 9. Or 1 to 10. No, 1 to 11, actually. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore I give unto you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, call it Jesus, sorry, no man speaking by the Spirit of God, call it Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there Amen. Amen. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God which will get all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. To uh, so for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. 
to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these, <clears throat> these nine gifts, work it, that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as a will. Amen. Nine of them categorized into three. Nine gifts categorized into three. There are three of them that say something. Three of them do something. Three of them reveal something. For those who want to take note, you were not here when I was teaching it. Three of these gifts say something. They are called utterance gifts because they say something. Or they are also called inspirational gifts. Three of them do something. They are called power gifts because they do something. Power is the ability to do work. That's simple definition from physics. They do something. And then the last category or subset, we have three of them that reveal something. They are, they are also known as revelation or revelational gifts. Now, of the three of them that say something, um, we have, let me take it from here, uh, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy says something, diverse kind of tongue says something, interpretation of tongues says something. Actually, when you put diverse kind of tongues plus interpretation of tongues, it will be equal to prophecy. You can speak diverse kind of tongues and then another comes and give an interpretation of what you have said or God gives you the ability to interpret what you say, it will be equal to prophecy. The three of them say something. They are the utterance gifts. Diverse, uh, prophecy, diverse kind of tongues, and then interpretation of tongues. And they are arranged in their order of importance. All right? Prophecy is more important than the diverse kind of tongues, which is also more important than the interpretation of tongues. Amen. Praise God. Now, there are three of them that do something. Of the three that do something, we have the gift of faith, number one. Number two, we have the, uh, uh, the gifts of healings. So, did I get that right? <clears throat> And then the working of miracles. Let me be sure. I want to follow the Bible order so that I don't. Yeah, to another faith, same story, to another gift of, yeah, by same story, and then to another, the working of miracles. Yeah, in that order. You have the gift of faith. You have the gifts of healings, which follows the gift of faith. And then you have the working of miracles um, following that. Um, I said to us that when the miracle of somebody who has died is being raised back to life takes place at least two or three of these gifts are in operation for example maybe the person was sick or they had a disease and then they died eventually and then god uses someone to raise them to pray over them and then bring them back to life now it's a miracle that the person comes back to life the person will need to be healed to stay alive and to take a whole lot of faith to get the job done. If the person comes back alive but does not get healed, the person will die again. Like people can be born again, people can also die again. So you would need at least about three or two of them in operation for some, some miracles like that to happen. 
It's a miracle. It's a working of miracle. But you will see that the working of miracles is the least in the power gifts. The number one of them is the gift of special faith. It is not the general faith that we all have. This one is a divine impartation by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit distributes to every man severally as he wills. It's the one that gives you what he wants to give you. You can covet. It's in your place to covet and say, Lord, I want spiritual gift. Because Paul said that to us, actually. That's same 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. He said, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, when he said covet the best gifts, of the nine gifts, okay, I'll come there. Which one would you say is the best? Now, I've dealt with the first category, the second category. The third category are the three gifts that reveal something, the revelation gifts. Number one of that will be the word of wisdom. Number two of that will be word of knowledge. And number three of that will be discerning of spirits. When you talk about word of wisdom, you're talking about a divine impartation of the mind of God, the plan of God that is connected to the future. Word of wisdom. You can be in a prayer meeting and the word of wisdom, or in a service like this, and the word of wisdom flows forth. There's someone here, you are doing so, so, and so, and so. The Lord will have me tell you that in the next two years or, three, or maybe in the next three years, whatever the Lord says, some so, so, and so, and so will happen and you need to do so, so, and so, and so. Take, uh, take this step, take that step, and then you will get there. Word of wisdom. It has to do with the future. In the case of word of knowledge, it usually is connected to the past. Word of knowledge. And word of knowledge is different from word from knowledge. <laughs> so word of knowledge can be, oh yeah, there's somebody in this service, um, two days ago something happened to you and blah, blah, blah. Well, the Lord will have me tell you not to lose heart because he's still working on it. Uh, things are going to work out right. Da, 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 da. It's connected to the past and then also connected to the present. Word of knowledge. Um, you have a lot of that, a lot of examples in the Bible. A whole lot of examples in the Bible. Now, we can go into that tonight. I've done the teaching series, so go get the teaching series. We have our XPH vault where we have all the audio files, so go get it so that I won't have to repeat myself. Now, um, when I say word of knowledge is different from word from knowledge, what do I mean? Word of knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit, but word from knowledge is when human beings engineer certain things to make it look supernatural. For example, you are invited as a minister, a guest minister, to go and preach in a church, and then you send your boys to that church, say, so go and find out, do they have any woman that is barren, you know, trusting God for the fruit of the womb? Get her name, get her phone number, get her address, and then they get all the details, and then pass it across to this big man of God. And then the day comes when you come as a man of God, and then you're ministering, you're ministering, you're preaching powerfully. Say, mm, who is Cecilia here? Your name starts with C. Cecilia, and you have been believing God for the fruit of the womb for about 15 years now. The whole church goes, hey, finally God has remembered Sister Cecilia. Uh, because Sister Cecilia is a member of the church, everybody knows that because of her condition, you know, she's the head of the uh, ushering ministry. All right? Now, you know, when you have a situation in your life that persists for long, people define you by that condition. They know you by that condition. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Do you know her name? Does she have a name in the Bible? She did have a name. They gave her a name. Her parents gave her a name. Amen? But we don't know her name. Till tomorrow, we call her the woman with the issue of blood. Because she had an issue of blood. Even though the woman has been healed, so we still call her the woman with the issue of blood. Somebody says somebody's blind, Batimius. Are you telling me that his first name was blind? And then Batimius was his surname. Now, we describe people with their condition, with their situation. May they describe you as the blessed and the highly favored one. Amen? Right. So, then this man says, 
Cecilia, you are in the choir, you are in the ushering ministry. Ah, everyone says this man is an Ubonge man of God. In fact, let me shock you. Your telephone number, I've never met you before, I don't know you. Your telephone number is 0802 355. Mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, maybe he has forgotten now. Mm, let me stop it there. That's all that the Holy Ghost wants. If you are here, come out. She comes out screaming and rolling on the floor. Finally, God has remembered me. It's a lie. That is word from knowledge. Not word of knowledge. Word from, from the knowledge that he has gathered. That's not the Holy Spirit. In the case of the Holy Spirit, it's supernatural and you would know. But don't be carried away by people that use familiar spirits. Because that's what they do. Anything that is original that God does, Satan creates a fake one. A fake account. That's why people create IG account that is fake in the name of another personality. That's what the devil does. Have you ever seen a fake 2,000 error note? Anybody here? You know why you have never seen it? Because it's not original. But let the federal government of Nigeria start printing or minting 2,000 error note. In no time, you'll find fake 2,000 error note. That's exactly the way the devil operates. That's why you need to be careful. It's not everybody that meets you on the road and gives you a prophecy about yourself and tells you something that you did yesterday. You just kneel down and say, ah, oh, that is true, it's me. You ate about last night. Oh, yeah, I ate about. Uh -huh. And so, <laughs> what does that mean? You were born on the 12th of August, 19... mm -mm. 1993. <gasps> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. Yes, papa. Yes, papa. We see a whole lot of that on the internet. It's a whole lot of abuse. And today, it's even so sad, the way things are happening in the body of Christ all over the world that sometimes you don't even want to introduce yourself as a pastor. Like when people meet me now and say, what's your name? I say, I'm Fred Elegbe. Because of the damage that certain pastors have done to the people, even to the church, and to other pastors. But it is well. Every man will give account someday. Amen. So those are the gifts, the nine of them. Here is a word of caution. Everybody likes the gifts. I mean, who doesn't want word of wisdom? Like you flow in a service and then you, I mean, God just gives you a revelation about Sister Ola Sode. And then you just load it to her. Bam, 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 bam. And everything is on point. On point. I mean, that, we like that. We like that. So we like to flow in the gifts. But how about the fruit? Because the gift can take you to a place of limelight. It can take you to the limelight, actually. But if you lack the fruit, if you don't operate in the fruit, you will lack character. And that lack of character will bring you down. It's like the anointing. The gift is like the anointing. The anointing can take you to a place where your character cannot keep you. You remember Joseph? When the king sent for him, he was in prison. And they told him that the king, Pharaoh, wanted to see him. That was the number one power in the world. And what did he do from the prison? The Bible says he shaved himself. The guy must have had long beards. He had been in prison for 13 years. And changed his clothes. The Amplified Bible says, and he made himself presentable 
before the king. Why? Because the king had heard of his gifts. You don't come and appear before a king like a prisoner. You need to clean up yourself and be worthy of someone that can stand in the presence of a king. How many of you will get an invitation to Asso Rock tonight? And they say, we want you to come tomorrow or in two days' time because the president wants to see you. To be honest, are you going to wear what you're wearing now? Not even me. I won't go like this. To go. I'm not bad. Am I bad the way I'm looking? No, I'm not. But I won't go like this to see the president. You want to be in your best outfit, right? If you have a tuxedo, you want to wear your tuxedo? Especially if they tell you it's a dinner event and the president wants to just have a 30 minute talk with you over dinner. Tuxedo and black bow tie. And everything, your shoes must be shining. Everything clean. If you're a lady, you want to wear a ball gown. Especially if they tell you the, the dress code. You don't want to mess around because you're going to see the president. Imagine just wearing a pair of shorts. It's, just, it's church now. I mean, it's, it's president now. And you wear some t-shirt that, that has holes. I don't know why people do that. God delivered us from clothes with holes years ago, and we're go, coming back there. And everything is torn. T-shirts torn. Torn from here all the way down. And some ladies wear that. Guys wear that too. And they say those things are expensive. They say they're expensive. Now, J Joseph understood protocol. Shaving himself, changing his clothes, he's talking about character. What the king heard was his gift, the anointing. But going to meet the king, to stand before the king and making yourself presentable was talking about character. And you know you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. So if he had appeared like a, like a prisoner, the king could get angry and say, who is this, who is this looking so dirty? And even though the king knew that they fetched him from the prison. Get out of here. Get away. Smell it. No. He, he, he cleaned up. Maybe applied some perfume. Praise God, amen. It's important not just to flow in the gift of the Spirit, but also in the fruit. The gift, more or less, makes us, they make us a blessing to the body. The fruit bless you. They bless you. They develop character in you. So having talked about the gift, let's look at the fruit very quickly. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, it says, one of them that you see there is faith. And you wonder, we have faith in the, the power gift and then faith now in the fruit. Actually, this faith here is really not faith. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. 
not too many people are faithful in our world today. Not many people are faithful to God and then faithful to one another. And if you're not faithful in business, you'll be swindling people. You rob Peter to pay Paul, even though you are whoever you are. If you're not faithful in your marriage, you'll be doing all kind of things, cutting corners. If you're not faithful in, in your studies, you'll not be committed to your academics. So you can even be unfaithful to yourself, unfaithful to your own future. You're not committed. There are business people who are not committed to their business. Monday morning, you're on the mountaintop praying, your shop is closed. Customers come and you're not there. I'm not against prayer. But there's, there's a time for everything. You can even be, your shop can open and you're working, you're doing transactions and you're praying in the spirit. How about that? But you lock up three days a week, you open two days a week, Monday to, within, between Monday and Friday, and you're, you're complaining that sales, you don't have sales. Or they give you jobs and then you don't deliver. Right? The time you're supposed to deliver, you come up with stories. You deliver stories. You deliver excuses. Who wants to come back and do business with you? Even though you might be the best in your craft. But that man disappoints a lot. So when you are getting married, don't give him your wedding suit. Otherwise, he will deliver it after, maybe when you're having your first child. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. So it's really, this one is not the saving faith and it's not the special gift of faith. It's actually faithfulness. So, um, can you give me Amplified Classic? Galatians 5.22. Let me read that and just do a recap. Just talk about this fruit one by one. And that's it. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Amplified now explains the fruit there. Because it's not like mango, pawpaw. But, I mean, think about mango. Think about pawpaw. Think about apples. Think about berries. Think about bananas. I mean, fruits are really nice. But I learned that some people don't like fruits. They don't. Like one of my cousins. And if you see him, he has a very dry skin. I said, that's why your skin is dry. You don't like fruits. If you eat fruits, you'll be fresh. I mean, fruits are good. Do you agree with me? They give you nutrients. They give you whatever. Whatever you need. They supply directly to you. It's like sugar straight going to your bloodstream. Original sugar, you don't need those uh, manufactured sugar, artificial. The original one you get from your fruit, okay? Energy, vitamins, you know, and then it, it, it boosts your immune system, makes you strong. I mean, talk about vitamin C, for example. Now, you get, it, you get a lot of that from oranges, right? I mean, and some other fruit. And the other vitamins, and all these things are good. Some of them are good for the eyes. Some of them are good for the heart. Some of them are good for your internal organs. Some of them are good for cleansing your blood and stuff like that. Some of them aid your digestion. If you eat a lot of uh, watermelon, for example, I think it has a whole lot of benefits. They've even told us that we should be eating the seed. I mean, I found that very awkward, but I've tried a couple of times. All right, so fruits are good. Talk about papaya. Good. All of the fruit. Now. It is no coincidence when the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. These are things you need to chew, you need to eat, to get nutrients, to get vitamins, to get multivitamins, to get energy, to boost your spiritual immune system. Now, so what are they? If you cultivate them, they will help you live a balanced life. 
you live a healthy spiritual life. These things are the work which the presence of the Holy Spirit within you accomplishes. The presence of the Holy Spirit in you accomplishes this work. So it's within, first of all, then it will flow out to the world and flow out to the people. Now, his presence within you accomplishes the following. One, love. L-O-V-E. The Holy Ghost helps you to love. His presence within births in you. Love. The day you gave your life to Christ, when you stepped out, of, stepped out from your, your seat and you came to this altar or whatever altar where you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Ghost put in you the fruit of the Spirit. All of them. Unlike the gift which he distributes severally to every man according to his own will. This is how I want to use you. This is the area where I want you to function. And then it gives you the gift for that. And when the Bible, I, I forgot, I, I, we didn't go back to converting the best gift. When Paul the Apostle said, convert the best gift, convert earnestly the best gift, what is the best gift? Well, somebody said, ah, the gift of faith. If I have that, I can move all the mountains in the world. Fine. Somebody said, ah, no, it's not the gift of faith, though. I think it's the word of wisdom. Or so, ah, prophecy, prophecy. You know, there are ministries built on prophecy. That's all they do. They don't know how to preach. They don't know how to do anything but they prophesy. And they can prophesy for three hours. And people troop there because people want to know what is going to happen in their future. Don't marry this person, marry that person. And that's what they do for hours. Some people think that prophecy is the best gift. No. It's a good gift, yeah, no doubt. The best gift is the gift you need right now. Right now. Someone say right now. So if somebody is sick and they are dying on their sick bed, which one do you think would probably work? What of knowledge or the gifts of healings? The gifts of healings. How about somebody is really broke and they need a financial miracle, otherwise... <laughs> they are going to repossess their house in, one, in a week's time. The bank has written them, you failed in coming up with your mortgage, and because of that, we are coming to repossess your house. Now, this happens abroad, not really in Nigeria. We don't do a lot of mortgage here. You know, people buy homes, they buy cars, and all of those things on credit. You can, if you have a job, and you're building your credit, you have a credit history, you can buy anything, you can drive anything. If you want to drive Lamborghini, no problem. You can be driving and be paying for 25 years. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but if you fail in your payment, if you default, uh, that, that's why you see they don't joke with their jobs abroad. You don't joke with jobs. Pastor can't keep you in church for longer than necessary. You have to be at work <laughs> because you, have, you got bills to pay. All right. You got bills to pay. So, um, everything is hanging on the job. The car you are driving is hanging on the job. The house you live in is hanging on the job. The bed you are sleeping on is hanging on the job. Everything is hanging on the job. All right? So, um, how did I get there? I was saying something. <laughs> I was saying something. I was trying to connect it somewhere. I know, I know. I remember that one. I remember the best gift. How did I get into telling you <laughs> what goes on? Okay, good, good. Thank you. I remember that now. Thank you. So, they're about to possess the house. Everything is hanging on the job. And the man has lost the job. So he can't pay for his house. He can't pay for his car. He can't pay for anything. All the $20, $10 they deduct every month, nothing. Such a person now comes to you 
and says, Pastor, I need a miracle. I need God right now. I need money. What gift do you think is the best gift to minister to that person at that time? Do you think it would be the gift of healings or the working of miracles? Special faith. <laughs> oh, yeah, special faith can go, yeah. You can make a declaration and to happen, but that person also needs a miracle. You might need the gift of the working. If you are to choose between discerning of spirits and working of miracles, which one would you pick? Which spirit are you discerning? <laughs> you are discerning. You are looking into the person. Mm, there's, a, there's, a, there's a spirit here. Look, I don't need a spirit. I need money. Are you with me, church? So when Paul, the apostle, said, desire, covet earnestly, the best gift, the best gift is the one you need now. Maybe yesterday it was the gift of faith. Today it might be descending of spirits. Who knows? Depending on the situation in which you find yourself. However, for the fruit of the spirit, the nine of them are there, loaded on the inside of you. And the number one of them, the greatest of them actually is love. Because God is love. God doesn't have love. God is love. When you meet God, you meet love. Amen? You meet her seed. Covenant kindness, covenant loving kindness, covenant mercy, covenant grace. That's God. Put it back on the screen, please. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So as a Christian, if you are not operating in love, then we should put a question mark behind your salvation. Are you really saved? I don't love anybody. I just love myself. People, we live in a generation now that, that promotes self-love. I love me. And if you don't love me, that's your problem. I see posts, people write posts like, just love yourself and forget about everybody else. As a Christian, you cannot say that. You cannot live like that. Love yourself and forget about everyone else. That's what the world is teaching us. That is what Satan is teaching the world. And so the children of Satan behave that way. And that's why they will dupe other people. That's why they will kill other people. That's why they will steal from other people. That's why they don't care a hoot about you. Because there is no love in them. They don't even have the capacity to love. Because we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. If you are not born again, the Holy Ghost will not come into you. You have to be born again. And at salvation, the Holy Ghost comes. Praise God, amen. And when it comes, it doesn't come empty-handed. So, love is supposed to be the signature of every believer. It's a fruit that should manifest in your life. You should so love that people will call you a child of God, a child of love, a child of God who is love. So, you're a child of love. You're a child of your father. Will people hurt you? Yes, they will. Does that mean you need to stop walking in love? No, you don't have to stop walking in love because it's your nature. In fact, every time you are doing something contrary to love, you are doing something contrary to your nature. And you can fall sick. That's why people keep malice and fall sick. That's why, God forbid, when two people are in love, listen to me, and they are married, they get married eventually, and they're in a marriage covenant, and something happens, and they they decide, they come to a point where they come up with a coinage or they come up with a term that is called irreconcilable differences. And they say, we go our separate ways and then they separate and from there they go into divorce many times 
they don't last. Because the devil takes advantage of them. Sometimes, it's just a matter of time, they say that person has developed cancer. This other person has developed something. And this one dies after three years, and maybe two years later, the other person packs up. In certain cases, maybe one person actually has always been on the love side. Okay, I, I still want it to work. I forgive and blah, blah. Maybe they can't live much longer. But watch it many, many times. Watch it. The devil is very subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. I had a very terrible story that a senior pastor shared during the family weekend that we had a couple of weeks ago. And I happened to know the church where that happened. The pastor divorced his wife in the service. I mean, in the service. This was, I think this was in London. He was ministering, and while ministering, said he was no longer interested in the wife, and now they are divorced, blah, 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 no longer my wife, and I want the ministry to know, blah, 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 and announced the sister in the choir, who will now be the momigio of the church. Yeah, things happen. People divorce online. And it's, listen to me, it's not funny, it's a terrible thing. Don't walk contrary to love. What I'm teaching you tonight is tough. Because walking in love is not an easy thing on the flesh. It is easy by the help of the Holy Spirit, but it's not easy in the flesh. Because people will hurt you, and you still have to walk in love with them. People you feel like cursing, and you still have to love them. Ha <laughs> ha! Tough. What do you say to that kind of woman who was just demoralized and, and disgraced in the service? Big church, mega. Guess what happened? And that was it, according to what Senior Pastor shared. So he carried on with this beautiful woman in the choir who also accepted to be the Geo's wife. And of course, you know, when some such things happen in the church, some people will leave the church and say, what kind of church is this? Some people stay and say, ah, whatever happens. Don't judge the man of God. Nobody judges anybody. Keep quiet. The man took ill and I think was on a wheelchair. Couldn't walk anymore. And after a while, died. Unfortunately, sadly, the woman also died. I don't know I can't remember if this new pastor mentioned that the new woman also died or something like that. I don't know whether now she remained alive without a child and someone else took over the church and the person that took over the church died. And someone else took over after that person and the person over time that took over from that person died. And I think maybe about three or four like that. Now, who wants to take over? Let us be careful. Let's be careful for the devil to not sow the seed of hatred in our heart. Let's be careful. Our nature is love. You want to kill a fish, take it out of the water and put it on sand. You don't need to butcher it. Take tilapia from water, for example, fresh fish, and throw it on this floor, this concrete floor here. How many days can it survive? Even catfish that likes to live in the mud, bring it to this concrete floor. 
away from its natural habitat and drop it on this concrete floor, lock this building, go away for one week and come back, if that fish will still be alive. Will it be alive? It won't be because you have taken it away from its natural habitat where it is designed and engineered to survive. When you take a Christian away from the love zone and put him in a hate zone where he continually has to hate every day, something bad is around the corner. That's why we must guard our hearts with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. People, for, people hurt you, forgive them quickly and easily and let them go. Not because of them, but because of you. As I'm preaching to you and I'm teaching you this, I'm also preaching and teaching myself. There are people you want to wake up every day and curse, but you want to hand them over to the Lord, the judge of all, to take care of the situation. Are you with me? And you want to forgive from your heart. You say, Lord, I hand them over to you, I hands off. Love is key. It is our natural habitat. We must love one another. In the church, when we love one another, do you know we'll not be backbiting one another? I mean, when you really love someone, if you think they're doing something wrong, you call them. Ah, sis, what happened? I had this one, so is everything okay? That's unlike you. How can I walk with you through this? If you need a friend, I'm available. Can we hold hands and pray? Can we talk to God about it? Ah. Sometimes, be, be, before they open their mouth to speak, they will break down in tears and cry because they bottled up so much, they're looking for someone to talk to. But instead of us to do that, we'll be the first to criticize the person. In Christendom, I don't understand why we kill our wounded soldiers. Somebody's wounded already, and you kill them. That's against love. It's against our natural habitat. And we cannot survive that way. And Satan knows that. That's why his business is to go about sowing the seed of discord. Don't join Satan in his ministry by sowing discord among the brethren. It's one of the things that the Bible says the Lord hates. He that soweth seed, he that soweth discord among the brethren. There are six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. One of them is he that soweth discord among brethren. Do you know so and so sister is talking about you? Always talking about you. Hey, really me? And I just go my own. No, I don't even, I just say hello to her. Ah, if you heard what she said yesterday. Okay, go and check her Twitter account. She, she put something there. It was actually, the only thing was that she didn't mention your name. For real? And before you know it, you start having ill feelings toward that sister. Maybe the girl, the, the poor sister, didn't even have you in mind when she was writing whatever she was writing. But Satan found an available vessel. Vacancy, vacancy, vacancy. Psh, entered into that person. I was reading earlier today, just my Bible study, Bible reading, Bible study time. <laughs> when Jesus said that he would die and then resurrect the third day and etc. And Peter said, Peter rebuked him and said, Master, that will not happen to you. Da, da, da. I said, it will not happen. For this cause I came. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you want to abort my mission? The next is joy. Gladness. Joy supplies strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It is not just spiritual strength, even physical strength. When you are sad and depressed, you'll discover that physically you are weak. 
your legs will be just be wobbling around because you're not joyful. You're not full of joy. But when a good news hits you, whether from the inside or from the outside, but joy is the fruit of the Spirit anyways, happiness is on the outside. God wants you to both be joyful and be happy. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't depend on your circumstances. Happiness does. You get a new car, you can, you'll be happy. Woo! Because I'm happy! Or you go to a friend's birthday and they're grooving some very nice songs, Christian songs. Amen? You're momentarily happy. Momentarily. You can get out of that place and then you go back to your usual, oh God. <laughs> That's happiness for you. You get a new iPhone, the latest one, you're happy. Three months down the line, you are not as happy anymore as the day you got that phone. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You get an alert of 10 million naira, you are happy. Three months down the line, 10 million has become 2.5 million, you are not as happy as when 10 million came. That's happiness for you. But joy is a constant. Joy is constant. It's always there. It's a fruit of the spirit. You can choose to cultivate it. That in spite of all I'm going through, I still choose joy. Amen? I still, I still choose to be glad in the Holy Ghost. It's tough, I know, but it is possible. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah chapter 12 now, and verse 3 or so, it says, with joy we shall draw. Therefore, yeah, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. In the well of salvation, you have everything you need. You have your healing there, your deliverance, your breakthrough. But the Bible says it is with joy you are going to draw that water out. It is with joy you are going to draw the water out. If you don't express joy, you will not be able to draw water out. Is there water in the well of salvation? Yes. But are you enjoying the water? No, you are thirsty. How come you're thirsty? Because you don't have a drawer, a doru, to fetch the water water from the well into your barrel. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Number three, after joy, then will be peace. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace. And this was where I stopped. Peace is very important. If we lose our peace, it's like losing everything. It's like losing our balance. It's like losing our equilibrium. When you lose your peace, you can make stupid mistakes within minutes of losing your peace. You become agitated. You become worried. Ah, what am I going to do now? What am I going to? And then whatever whatever comes to you sounds like a very good suggestion. And you could sign what you're not supposed to sign, because you lost your peace. And when you lose your peace, you can pray, but you won't pray properly. You'll be praying emergency prayers. You've lost your peace. When you lose your peace, you lose your cool. That's why in Isaiah 66, and I believe it's verse 12. God said, I will extend peace to her like a river. I will extend peace to her like a river. Can you go there, media, very quickly, then you come back here? For thus is the Lord, behold, yeah, I will extend peace to her like a river. May the Lord extend peace to you like a river in Jesus' name. We all need it. We all need it. Every day we hear things that agitate us, hear bad news. Dollar is now so-so-and-so, pound sterling is now so-so-and-so, uh, Gary is now so-so-and-so, especially if you live in Nigeria, uh, fuel price is now so-so-and-so. In fact, they are planning that tomorrow again is going to be so-so. It's like you, we don't wake up to good news in this country. And you can lose your peace hearing those statistics. Look, you can choose to maintain your peace with the help of the Holy Spirit. That let them give all the figures they want to give. There is someone on the throne, and he knows I'm here. 
I'm still in this country and it's going to sustain me. Can I have an amen to that? The next, after that, can we go back to Galatians 5.22? This is just a recap. Galatians 5.22. So after peace, we have uh, patience and even temper or forbearance. So in some translations, it's called forbearance. Patience is a virtue. <laughs> and people will test you. Life will test your patience. Let me say this to you. When you are walking with God by faith, you must arm yourself also with patience. I, I don't like it sometimes. By faith, I want, I'm commanding certain things to happen right now. But the Bible makes it clear to us. I think it's Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 or so. To follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. <laughs> there is hardly anywhere you see faith that you will see patience in the Bible. Okay. Verse 12. Hebrews 6, 12. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who through faith and patience. Faith and patience. You have faith in one hand, you have patience in the other. I want it now, yeah, but sometimes God is processing your character so that you can be fit and be prepared to have it when it is finally delivered. So you don't mess up your life. God can't trust some people with one millionaire. You will never see them in church again. One, one M, you will they start thinking of how to go to one hotel and take a girlfriend there and spend the next one week just enjoying themselves, sleeping, waking up, eating and doing all the rubbish and sleeping again and waking up. Just enjoy. This life, just enjoy, enjoy life. Enjoy, chop, chop the life of your head because of one millionaire. God says, if we give this 100 million, it will destroy himself. <laughs> We we'll buy plane ticket for girlfriends. Like, meet me in Dubai. Let's go and eat dinner there. From there, let's, forgetting that money will finish. Oh. Can God trust you with His church? Can He trust you with the ministry? People desire to be pastors, and I, I want. I laugh sometimes. Some people do anything to become a pastor. Anything. Any, just make me a house pastor. They, they just want the title pastor. <laughs> it's not about title. Is your ministry is your life. It will place a demand on your very life. And you got, you got to be ready. You got to be ready for the attacks and for everything. Like senior pastor will say, it's a thankless job. The things that other people do and go scot-free, as a pastor, you won't go scot-free. There is the blackmail value, and he calls himself a pastor. In fact, the moment they say that to you, it hurts you. So you want to succumb to their demands. And of which, if I was a regular businessman, I say, ah, you call yourself, you, 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 you call yourself whatever you call yourself. But as a pastor, you can't talk like that. I saw a very funny post on, on social media. It was like a chat between somebody and a pastor. So, so the person said, are you a pastor? And the person said, yes. So I hate you, pastors. And the, the pastor replied, we hate you too. <laughs> but you know, as a pastor, I mean, I know that's just a joke. As a pastor, you can't say that. If somebody says, I hate pastors, you guys, oh, we hate you too, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't say that. You have to say, uh, why would you hate pastors? What have they done? You have to forgive. Then you start preaching again. Because that's your ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Someone can say, yeah, say, eh, me? Church, let's end, the, let's end the service here. Let me go off the mic. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Amen. Praise God. Okay, and then the next thing. Um, Back to Galatians 5. 
back to Galatians 5, uh, patience, kindness, kindness. Mm. We need to be kind. If you say you are a believer, you should be kind, really. Some believers are mean. They don't forgive. They don't show kindness. You can't give somebody a ride. After service on Sunday, you are driving home with your empty car all by yourself. See, I like my space. I just want my AC and my music. And here are church members. Here is a church member who is backing a baby and having two kids. They well, that's bad for them because if they had common sense, you shouldn't have three kids without having a car. I mean, I plan my life. You should plan your life. If you plan your life well, you shouldn't have three kids without having a car. You should have a car before you have three kids. And so they are paying for their stupidity. I can't deal with that. No. As a Christian, you can't talk like that. You don't know their condition. You don't know what led them to that. They also desire to have a car, but they don't have it right now. And it's not over yet anyways. It's not over yet. Can I have an amen to that? So show some kindness. Give somebody a ride. Let somebody dirty your car. Ah, oh, the reason I don't like picking people. I know how much I'm spending every day on washing my car. Before I got married. Ah, oh, very finicky guy. I mean, you can't come and stain my, my clothes. When I greet children, a child is running towards me, I greet them with star. Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> and they want to touch me. You know, kids, sometimes they play with the mud or sand, and they, they don't care. They want to put that on you. So I will hold those hands. Leave the baby, put the baby down. See you later. I'm, off I go. Because my clothes go to the dry cleaner, and I know how much I'm spending. Every time they go to the dry cleaners. Now, I got married, and I started having kids myself. <laughs> my wife looked at me and shook her head and said, you're not ready. If you're ready, eh? <laughs> nobody will teach you. My son will run. It doesn't matter. Whatever is in his hand, it can be palm oil, it can be anything. The guy wants to greet his daddy. Now, daddy is conscious of what he's wearing. Uh, yeah. uh, my wife said, you better, you, better, you better let go. Nobody taught me. Life taught me to let go. So the guy will come, stain me like that. Anyhow, I will take it. Mm, I love you, love you, love you, love you. For how long will you be repelling your child because you want to maintain your neat appearance or neat outfit? You just want to be neat. Look, they will crawl on your chair. They will come to your bed when you are sleeping the night and pull your, your ear. I think my daughter did that, or maybe my son. They will stick their finger into my nose like this. Like, why is, what's wrong with this man? Why are you sleeping? Wake up now. <laughs> you know, when they were much younger, and we'll put them on our bed just to, maybe you're playing with them, and then you fall asleep. They will pull your mouth, pull your nose. Normally, you can come to my house and try that with me. But my child will. And what do you do? They pull in their, in their diapers, and you don't have a choice but to change it. Oh, no, I can touch Oh, no. Oh, oh, no, what? You better be ready. You will wash the thing with your bare hands. No, I'm going to wear a glove. Glove wear. Somebody did that for you. Kindness, goodness. As Christians, we should be good. Our God is good. We should not be bad. We should not be evil. The reason many unbelievers don't believe in our Christianity today is because many Christians are evil. They are diabolical. They go to the same places that the unbelievers go to, so they say, what's the difference? 
and then you are not even good to them. You can't be a blessing. You can't be a blessing. You have food in your house. It's spoiling. It's expiring. You have a hungry neighbor, and you're not extending a hand of fellowship to them. And when you're finally going to give them something, it is what has expired. That's not goodness. If we have received the goodness of God, I believe we should also extend goodness to other people. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing? Who went about doing? When he was praying for the sick, was that good or evil? When he raised the dead, was that good or evil? The widow of Nain. I mean, when you call somebody a widow, she had no husband anymore. Satan killed her only child. That's Satan for you. Very wicked. Somebody's a widow. There's no way to, to have babies anymore. Had an only child, and you went after that only child and killed him. If it was God that killed that child, would Jesus have been able to raise him up? Come on, talk to me. Would Jesus have been able to raise him up? Can Jesus undo what the father did or what the father does? He can't do that. He can't he can undo whatever the father does. So it wasn't the father that killed him. It was Satan that killed that boy. And the whole city, the Bible says, was moved. The whole city was going to that burial. And they were carrying the coffin and they were singing dirge. I mean, what do you call that thing? It's dirge, right? Sing, singing songs of wailing and weeping. And Jesus was coming into the city at the time. The God who is always right on time. Right at the nick of time. He walked into that funeral procession. He looked at the woman and took pity on her. And showed her the goodness of God. God is a good God. Listen, life is not always in a good, doesn't put us in a good season every time. There are seasons that are not good, but God is constantly and consistently good. God is intrinsically and extrinsically good. There are things that happen in our lives and we say, God, where are you? But I want to tell you that God is with you and God is good. Can I have an amen? Jesus walked up to the undertakers carrying the casket, stopped them, he stopped the funeral procession, touched the casket, spoke to the young man and brought him back to life. And handed him over to his son. In fact, the Bible said when that guy got up, he started speaking. He started speaking immediately. And the whole city said, wow, God has visited his people. Because Jesus showed them the goodness of God. Will you show your world the goodness of God? Or will you show them the meanness of Satan? That's why we need to pray for one another. Showing goodness is not just about giving money. When you take up somebody in church and you choose to pray for them for one week, I just want to pray for this brother. Or I just want to When you're a meek person, you're humble and teachable. And when you're meek, God will show you the path to greatness. The opposite of meekness is gragra. Or gragranes. Now, those who don't speak Yoruba language will, might never know gragranes. But gragranes is, is an English word that has a Yoruba origin. When Arao Bale, you know what I mean? Caris, when Arao Bale, okay. So Arao Bale means Arao Bale. Ushigragra, you know Ushigragra? Ever. The 
position where you can be taught, where the Holy Spirit can teach you. You know, the Holy Spirit being a teacher, there are certain people who don't allow themselves to be teachable. Some people have a teaching spirit, but they don't have a teachable spirit. They're willing to teach everybody, but they're not willing to learn. When you begin to walk with the Holy Spirit, it will help you with meekness. Moses made himself available to God to be taught. That's why Psalm 103 tells us, I think it's verse 5, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The children of Israel saw the acts of God, the miracles of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. And if you know the ways of God, you'll be a commander of the acts of God. Knowing the ways of God is like you already warm your way into the heart of someone. You can easily have their hands when you need them. If somebody really is fond of you, I mean, they like you, maybe an uncle, an auntie, they really like you in the family, you are like their favorite. When your siblings need something from that person, who would they send? You. Meekness is like being gentle. I can call it gentleness also. And being humble, humility. And then the last one is temperance. Against God, there is no law. This temperance is also interpreted self-control. And the way I will describe it is the brake system in a car. No matter how expensive your car is, if it doesn't have a brake, it's, um, that's crisis on four wheels. Because when you're supposed to reduce your speed or come to a halt, there is no way you can come to a halt. You will just run into anything that's standing in your way, whether it's a human being or trees or whatever. Because there is nothing to control that car. <laughs> the car might be worth 200,000 US dollars, but no brake. That's dangerous. Even if you're driving dangerous. A life without self-control is dangerous. And many, many times we go off the tangent because we don't walk in self-control. Nobody's perfect. I am not. There are still certain areas of my life I'm telling God, please help me. Because there are certain things that you would have said before you thought, before you gave it a thought. And you've said it already. It's gone out. And when words go out, you can't retract them. You can't retrieve them. Lack of self-control is showing itself there. Why would you go and steal somebody's money, even though the money is looking at you like this? The money is staring you in the face. Lack of self-control. I think Mutun shared a story with me when we were in England uh, two years ago. She came to visit me in, uh, I was in Dudley, Kingswind Ford, and she came from Oxford, Oxford Brooks. So I saw her off with took a ride and, you know, gave her a ride to the train station. And she, I don't know if she remembers this, that she was in the library one night. She went to read. And maybe for some reason she got up from her seat to go and get something done. And before she came back, these white people, white boy or white girl, had actually stolen her. What was it that was stolen? Was it tea or something? Something she was munching or drinking. She looked around and she couldn't find it on her table. And then found it on their table. And she walked up to them to say, ah, look, this is mine. 
And the lady said, I'm sorry, I stole it. <laughs> but do you remember that story at all? She told me. It was in November. November 2020. 20, 20, when was I in England? 2021? 2022. I want to come to England again. Amen, praise God. <laughs> right? Now, lack of self-control. Somebody is eating something, and then it's entering your eyes, like we say. And the next thing is, they got up from their table, and then you went to steal it. Lack of self-control. What would make you steal somebody's food? Or somebody's tea? Or somebody's money? Or somebody's phone? Suggestions come to us every day. Why don't you go to that site and enjoy some X-rated movie? Really, it's a suggestion from the enemy. Plus, cooperating with your flesh. When self-control is in place, you get up, you rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus, take it captive, walk away from it, go do something else with your time.